<laughs> paper, yeah. It's our time. One love. It's Paperboy Prince, Paperboy Love Prince, uh, for mayor, running for mayor of New York City, community member, lover, friend, black person. Um, and right now, this is a lecture, uh, more not so much of a lecture, more of a talk uh, called Black Lives and White Terror. And it's basically an overview of terrorist attacks on black people, which was just everyday life as a black person uh, living in America. And there's so many, there's literally so many that I wanted to include that um, I, I might have to do other ones. So if you, if you all enjoy this and want other ones, let me know. Um, the best way to support, you know, for doing this work, this education work, uh, you can cash at Paperboy the Prince or donate to our community space, which helps the community, or uh, support a black business or black person in your community. Um, okay, so let's get straight into it. Uh, and, and part of the reason I wanted to do this is because, you know, I focus a lot on like happy stuff and fun stuff. And, and this is the last day of Black History Month that we're doing it, actually the last few hours right now. And we focus so much on positive stuff, fun stuff, I wanted to get into some of the heavy stuff that kind of inspired me to take the take the route that I've taken. Also, like things that I was educated on from a young age and that kind of shaped my revolutionary mindset as it relates to organizing, as it relates to throwing protests, you know, calling out leaders in the government, doing research, all of these things. So let's get into it. Um, and the kind of subtext of this talk is also like media and how media is used to shape the perception of the black community, how media is used to dehumanize folks. Because if you even look at the Holocaust, right, which happened after this, some of the things that I'm about to talk about, you need to have strong media that helps to dehumanize people so that you can do whatever you want to them. Because if people see them as humans, then they're not going to allow you to treat them the way that black people have been treated in this country. But when they don't see you as human, when they see you as subhuman, unintelligent, uh, all of these things, it's a lot easier to justify all of these acts. And the media has a powerful role in that. So. To start it off, and, and this is stuff that I've kind of like talked about in conversations with people and wanted to bring to light in this way. So it's just like clear, I can reference it and show it to people and, and you all can too. So first things first is uh, The Birth of a Nation. And I don't know if you all are familiar with this film. I think the first time I learned about it, I was maybe in high school. But the Birth of a Nation is considered basically the first movie. They weren't using even the term like movie really before this this film came out. That was like the way you can using most motion picture and all these movie wasn't even a term yet when this movie came out, but it was considered the first film. Um, and this is one of the reasons America is so big. One of our biggest exports is me media, right? Music, television, uh, and films, fashion, all these things. This film so racist. It's short answer of what it's about. It's basically 
about um, the Ku Klux Klan. It's about the Ku Klux Klan. This is like, it was shown in the White House and this, it was shown to the Supreme Court. And this film basically, well, I'm going to go to Wikipedia and let them explain it to you. So you guys don't hear it from me. You hear it straight from Wikipedia, which again, this is one of the oldest films in American history. So yeah, let's get into it. The Birth of a Nation, originally called The Klansman, so the movie was actually called The Klansman, uh, is a 1915 American silent drama film. So mind you, this is before they even had sound. They When they kind of have to say stuff, they have like word cards in it, kind of like a TikTok now. It's funny how we're going back, but they have like word cards in it. The screenplay is adopted from Thomas Dixon Jr.'s 1905 novel and play The Klansman. So this comes from... a. Uh, a play. All right. The Birth of a Nation is a landmark film of history, the first 12 real film ever made, and at three hours, the longest up to that point. Its plot is part fiction, part history. So that's another way that they use to confuse people. They uh, There's part fiction in it, right? And then there's part actual real events. So to a person who's not media literate, in 1915 or whenever this came out and you're not even used to seeing movies that often like you don't see movies regularly you don't see television you only are reading books at that point it's hard to discern what's real and what's not you already see how people get thrown off by stuff nowadays and we've been had media so people at this time easily influenced okay it's plot it chronicles the assassination of abraham lincoln by john Wilkes booth the relationships of families, the Civil War, and Reconstruction eras over the course of several years. The pro-Union Northern Stonemans and the pro-Confederacy Southern Camerons. Uh, it was by far the most complex movie of any movie made up to that date. Uh, it was the first movie with an intermission and it kind of invented that in film. It pioneered close-ups, fade-outs, and uh, battle scenes, fight scenes. So carefully staged battle sequences with hundreds of extras. That was a first, uh, and they made it look like thousands. It was also the first American movie to be screened in the White House. This is why President, while President Woodrow Wilson was president. The film was controversial before its release and has remained so ever since. Again, they used the controversy. They used black lives to, to help sell this film. The film portrays African-Americans many of whom are played by white actors in blackface. So they basically, most of the cast of black people is played by white people. They got a, cu a couple black people that were there, but it was pretty much all white-faced black people. Okay, the film portrays black people who are portrayed by white actors in blackface as unintelligent, sexually aggressive towards white women. The film presents the Ku Klux Klan as a heroic force necessary to preserve American values and a white supremacist social order. So this is the Wikipedia way of saying this movie was basically about, and a lot of you might have learned about it in college if you took African American studies, if you took American history, if you took the history of film, probably learned about this. It's pretty much about, basically they say that a black man who's a white person in blackface they say that a black man uh, tries to do something to a white woman and then they get all these people recruited into the Ku Klux Klan. Like this is in the movie. And then they ride to find this person and they're kind of like hunting them down and all of this. So this is the movie. Um, I may have a clip. Let me see if I have a clip in here. I also have a clip. So I'm going to show you all a, a brief clip of the movie. 
Yeah, so, and I thought it was important to cover this because so many people hadn't heard of this film before. Meanwhile, it's the first film. Yeah, this is kind of like what it looks like. Um, you know, you see Abraham Lincoln, you kind of see like the white lady being like scared of like a black person. You see the, the Ku Klux Klan riding on like black people. Now, granted, these aren't actual black. I feel weird even calling them black people because they're white people in blackface. Mind you, this movie it was seen by so many people. It was seen by, I think, the most people ever uh, because it's so old. Some people only saw this movie, lived and died. This is the only movie that they ever saw. And it's basically about why black people are dumb, intelligent, why they're sexually aggressive towards white women, and why we need to uh, have the Ku Klux Klan to keep them in order. Whether that means killing them, lynching them, or basically what this is about, terrorizing them. So like, again, for you all, the, the name of this talk is Black Lives and White Terror. And I wanted to start out with Birth of a Nation because it's literally a film about terrorizing black people for sport. And it was used to help swell the ranks of the Ku Klux Klan. So many people joined, it was already a thing, but so many people joined the Ku Klux Klan because of this film. So this movie was the first movie ever filmed, ever screened in the White House. Woodrow Wilson, who was president then, saw it. And there's some quote that's going around this, that where he says that every American should watch this film. Um, yes, it was attended by President Woodrow Wilson, members of his family, and members of his cabinet. There is dispute about Wilson's attitude towards the movie. They try to like change how some of these people say how they felt about it because it's so obviously so bad. It like hurts someone's legacy. But yeah, um, the showing of the movie had caused several near riots when former assistant attorney general William Lewis and A. Walters, a bishop of the AME African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church, called at the White House to add their protest. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's just crazy to me that the that this movie was shown in the White House. Uh, first movie shown in the White House. Um, this is the crazy part, where they actually showed it to the Supreme Court justices. Now, I've said mul multiple times that the most racist in institution in American government, and that it's hard to do. It's hard to be. <laughs> it's hard to be one of the most racist institution in American government. Government, but the most racist institution <clears throat> is the courts. It's clearly the courts. And the Supreme Court is the most supremely racist. And, and this is an interesting thing that, that I didn't even know about this film that I found out while, while doing some research. Okay, so Griffith and Dixon had a showing of the film at the Raleigh Hotel Ballroom. Early that morning, Dixon called a North Carolina friend, the white supremacist Joseph Daniels, Secretary of the Navy. Daniels set up a meeting that morning for Dixon with Edward Douglas White, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. At this time... In 1915, Edward Douglas White was the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Initially, Justice White was not interested in seeing the film, but when Dixon, the director, told him it was the true story of Reconstruction and the Klan's role in saving the South, White, recalling his youth in Louisiana, jumped to attention and said, I was a member of the Klan, sir. This is the Chief Justice 
the chief justice of the Supreme Court at this time saying, I was a member of the Klan. And then he agreed to see the film. And then the rest of the Supreme Court also saw the film. Um, so you know that, that this type of media helped to influence their decisions and what they decided to hear, what they didn't decide to hear. In addition to the Supreme Court, in the audience were many members of Congress, the Secretary of the Navy, 38 members of the Senate, and about 50 members of the House of Representatives. The audience of 600 cheered and applauded throughout. This is our government. This is what wrote, this is our government a little bit over 100 years ago, 1915 when this movie came out, a little bit over 100 years ago. So this isn't long ago. Many of the laws still on the books, uh, cases that are still in the books happen then. So just, just knowing that and thinking about that, it helps to put in perspective where this country comes from and again, how they're able to have these narratives and stereotypes, how they're able to get away with what they got away with, right? Like, because it's the racism wasn't enough. The murders weren't enough. The killing wasn't enough. The slavery wasn't enough. At this point, they had just came out of slavery, uh, you know, less than 50 years before. That wasn't enough. They needed the media, the, the, the movies to actually show they, and if you watch some of the clips, the movie's three hours long, but if you watch some of the clips, they have like black people eating, you know, fried chicken in a courthouse where they're deciding to uh, take over white people. All this random stuff, right? Um, that's a movie. And it's designed for at the end of this movie, you will hate and want to kill black people. You will see black men as literally what is in the top of this thing, sexually aggressive to white women, um, unintelligent. Yes, and this is the, and again, these people are in blackface as well. So so just wanted to share that. For those of you on live, I'm going to post this. I, I have some like resources here for people can see. Okay, so that's Birth of a Nation. We talked about that. I feel like the thing about Birth of a Nation is it kind of characterizes at that time the lynch mob and lynchings and vigilante justice and kind of this above the law, you know, that there's laws for thee and not for me that this country kind of had really really had and still does have very much so when it comes to white people and black people i'll even break it down more fair-skinned people and uh darker-skinned people so next we're going to talk about lynchings and just to give you all an overview of how this is going to go i'm again this is about this is my black history lecture uh black lives and white terror and we're kind of talking about terrorism in this country and how it was implemented, used, and still is being used and will be used in the future um, against black people uh, in this country. And I'm focusing specifically on black people, not only because this is the end of Black History Month, but because this is how that uh, racism started in this country uh, and the terror levels to what that it went to and that was actually instilled in government i just showed you this racist film that was the first film that was showed to uh over t tons of congress members tons of senators the entire supreme court and the president of the united states on federal property with tax dollars but that wasn't crazy because of all of the crazy stuff that was going on um the history of lynchings I'm on the NAACP website. 
we'll talk more about the NAACP one day. But and and you know that was started by white people. The NAACP was started by white people because back at this time, you couldn't even be black and stand up for your own rights. <laughs> at this time, you couldn't even be black and stand up for your own rights, and uh, like white people kind of even like controlled that. So if you look at the history of the NAACP, the founders of that was white people. They did a lot of great work though. Um, so, but I just wanted to note that while we're here talking about it. Um, Okay, so what would trigger a lynch lynching? I'm on the Guardian, um, and it kind of breaks down some some of this. It says what would trigger a lynching? One chief among the trespasses, occasionally real but usually imagined, was the claim of sexual contact between black men and white women. The trope of the hypersexual black male, especially the inviolable chastity of white women was and remains one of the most durable tropes of white supremacy. According to Equal Justice Initiative, 25% of lynching victims were accused of sexual assault and 30% were accused of murder. The mob wanted the lynching to carry a significance that transcended the specific act of punishment. The mob turned the act into a symbolic right in which the black victim became the representative of his race and as such was being disciplined for more than a single crime. The deadly act was a warning to the black population not to challenge the supremacy of white race. So like, I hope that um, makes sense for you all, like how race, sex, supremacy are all like tied up in one. Even we can go and say sexism and, and misogyny. I mean, on the one hand, you have like holier than thou white woman when it talks about the inviolable chastity of white women. And then you have this like low, low, lower, dirt, uh, hypersexual black man. And like these two things, you know, um, and it, they can't ever mix. And that's kind of like where white supremacy, uh, that that's the catalyst for it, you know, because they couldn't use anything else. That that was the best way to dehumanize and the best way to radicalize, I'll say. That was the best way to radicalize people of this time. It was using this sexual contact to, to trigger that. So that would trigger a lynching. Um, okay, NAACP, the history of lynchings. In the South, people were blaming their financial problems on the newly freed slaves. This is in the 19th century. In the South, people were blaming their financial problems on the newly freed slaves that lived around them. Lynchings were becoming a popular way of resolving some of the anger that whites had in relation of the free blacks. Y'all gotta remember, also at this time, this is also around when the, the birth of a nation stuff is talking about and coming out. There's a lot of places where black people outnumbered white people in the South and in the North, particularly in the South because of slavery. There was large areas with way more black people than white people. That's why the word minority is so important. That's why I don't use minorities because in a lot of places where black people existed, they weren't the minority, they were the majority. But by telling them they're minority, it diminishes their power. These lynchings were served as a way to uphold white supremacy and remind people of, of, of that power that in that power structure that shouldn't be crossed. Lynchings were becoming a popular way of resolving some of the anger that whites had in relation to the free blacks. From 1882 to 1968, close to 5,000 lynchings occurred in the United States. Now, most of these people that were lynched were black and a lot of lynchings, they didn't go report it, 
though there were police officers there, judges there, all these people, they, nobody was reporting this stuff. Um, now, there's a lot of photographers. They were oft, often in the newspaper. Some of the really big ones were, but a lot of the like just side ones that were done. You know, these are like the big ones that are reported that people knew about. Um, the side ones that were done weren't talked about. And white people were lynched too. Many of the ones that were like helping black people or that came out against lynching um, and stuff like that. Was lynching necessary? To many, it was not. But to the whites in the 19th century, it served a purpose. They started lynching because they felt it was necessary to protect white women. Rape, though, was not a great factor in reasoning behind the lynching. Uh, it was the third greatest cause of lynchings behind homicides and all other causes. Most of the lynching that took place happened in the South. A big reason for this was the end of the Civil War, when black people were given the freedom. Many people felt that blacks were getting away with too much freedom, and they felt the needed to be controlled. And that, that is something that is important to note. Like they felt like black people were being too free. They had just been used to seeing these people in chains. So when they see you living free, you need something to have you terrorized, something to have you scared to keep you in this state. So that's where lynchings came in. Yeah, so this is a story of a lynching. I'm not going to get into this particular story, but actually I should because it, it, it helps to highlight what it is. Jesse McLaren was prosperous. He was black and he resented the slights and insults of white men. Um, he got into a quarrel with three young white men who insulted him. Threats were made and he fired six shots, killing two of them. He fled the home he fled to the home of a clergyman who helped him escape and afterwards was shot and killed by a mob. And when he was shot and killed, he was captured and they had a lynching. A, a lot of times when they had these lynchings, and again, we mentioned like the sexual nature of these things and how sex is, in, is tied into it, how uh, hatred, how economics are tied into it. They were like cutting people's penises off burning them at the stake literally um thousands of times burning them at the stake cutting off their penises they were they would do the same to women cut the babies out of their bellies um i learned about this as a kid going to kind of these museums blacks and wax museums that depicted a lot of these things sorry for those y'all on live that can't see the that can't see some of the resources we have here. I'm pulling up, I have some pictures that were really interesting to me of lynchings. Yeah, you can see a lot of these images here. So yeah, and trigger warning, like I mentioned, because um, we have some of these, but you see this, this was like a popular entertainment. They didn't have Netflix back then. They didn't have uh, like, you know, wrestling and all these like things to watch on TV. This was the the big event, a lynching of a black person for accusations of whatever they said. Um, and you see, you see women here, you see white women, you see white children, you see entire families. The lynching of Leo Frank, who was accused of raping Mary Fagan, an employee of his Georgia pencil factory and convicted on very little evidence and a decision that many believe was motivated by anti-Semitism. Instead of waiting for the courts to carry out Frank's death sentence, angry mob stole Leo Frank out of prison, lynched him in the woods. Chandler Colding was lynched after being accused of raping a 77-year-old white woman near Ocola, Florida. We're gonna talk about Florida more. 
More than 3,000 African-American protesters marched in the streets of Washington carrying signs urging control and the halting and lynching of blacks. Federal intervention was sought to the series of hangings and killings of, of blacks by whites. The paraders also sought for proper protection and to be provided for all African-American prisoners. The protester in front carries a picture of a man hanging. So y'all see, like, the prisoners weren't even safe. Like, if, if you had, like, been accused of something, you weren't safe. They were pulling you out of prison. And the, the sheriffs, the police officers, the judges were all in the Ku Klux Klan. They were all white supremacists if they weren't in the Klan. So they were down with this type of stuff anyway. The body of an African-American man named McManus hangs from a tall tree above a huge crowd of Caucasian men. Minneapolis, Minnesota, copyright 1882. Y'all see this? This is a this is so many people that are condoning the lynching of a person. Now, in this in these times, that would be seen as weird. But I'm telling you, the people that are living at this time that were kids at these lynchings raised our police officers today, raised our teachers of today, raised people of today. And that's not me taking a shot at anybody by saying that. That's just facts. And this isn't me pointing out one state. This is all over the all of America. This is Minnesota. And, you know, again, hundreds of people sitting there watching this. It's just so many of these and it's not talked about. The reason I'm talking about it is because it's never talked about. It's like, when are they talking about this? It's like it was a big thing. This is this is major terrorism. This is extreme terrorism. And this still happens today. This still happens today. I want to make that connection. I want to keep this under an hour, but this still happens today. It's just so many, like the lynching of Joseph Richardson in Litchfield, Kentucky. This is Kentucky. So many black people lynched soldier hanging from a noose. And this is a, a whole thing about blacks in the military and the, the racist stuff that's happened with blacks in the military. I could do a whole lecture on that. Um, the way that their bodies were used for testing, uh, to be thrown out on the front lines, uh, all of these things. Then these, this image is courtesy of the Library of Congress. An African-American soldier named Johnson hanging dead after being lynched, accused of attempted rape. It is doubtful that any court was involved in his murder, which is probably committed by local whites in his community. Now, again, this stuff is from a white website, so they're saying it the nice way. They're telling you the nice way. We know damn well there was no courts that were involved in this. We know that this person, um, and if they were, it was a racist court filled with racists that had one agenda. And it wasn't just lynching this person. Uh, it was also terrorizing the community. And to remind everyone, don't you ever dare um, come close to a white woman. And don't you ever dare uh, disobey white people. Okay, United States, 1930, lynching scene in Texas. That's four different states. We're just going through. A black man accused of having attacked a white woman is hanged immediately. Uh, I mean, you all see the, the photo for yourself, you know. Um, wow, this is, a, this is a good one. Um, because it illustrates what happens so many times. Uh, as far as the burnings, the torture... I mean, this true torture and hatred that happened with the lynchings because they did not only not see these people as people, but they wanted you to live in constant fear of them. They wanted you to live in constant fear, and that's why they operated this way. Uh, lynching of Jesse Washington. A crowd of people stands to watch 
the lynching by burning of Jesse Washington, whose charred corpse leans chained around the trunk of a tree in Waco, Texas. This happened so much and it wasn't, it wasn't um, documented often. Like these photos, and these, the reason we have these photos is because people were so proud of these moments. The people were so proud. You see, you know, tons of people there looking. This guy has a smile on his face. Multiple people have a smile on their face watching a man burned chained to a tree and they used um they used uh, the accusations of whatever to be able to justify this right that no judge no jury and it's still like this it's still like this it's still like this wow this is another picture i skipped to this uh i skipped to this picture because it's another angle of the photo we just saw of jesse washington May 15th, 1916, 18-year-old boy, 18-year-old. And they want to do it to the young. They want to do it to the youth to signify to the other youth that don't you get too uppity. Don't you dare think about crossing these lines because we will find you. We will kill you and we will let everyone see. And like, who can save you in that moment? Who can save you? Who can come and save you when it's this many people having you chained to a tree when all the police officers are there that are supposed to protect and serve? This is why black people don't trust the police. You mean them police that were there? That this is the history of them? So, okay. So that that's a bit about lynching. And these are some photos that are important to see. Again, uh, I couldn't find any... I didn't pull up any pictures of women here that it happened to, but many black mothers were lynched had literally had, um, the, again, their babies ripped from their stomach. I've seen, there's one of a, of a black mother who uh, is being killed and they they take the baby out of her stomach, burn her alive, and then attach the baby to a cat. This is all real stuff that's not talked about in schools because they don't want to actually, they don't want to actually address it because if they did, you'd see that there's so much racism embedded in this country, embedded in this country's history that like not only are reparations needed, but massive education and healing is needed from this. So we talked about lynching. Again, this is the Black History Lecture. Next thing we'll talk about is Rosewood. Mm -hmm.